the 2020 Olympics, which are happening in 2021, just finished. So I thought I would muse about my thoughts around competition and what quality is most needed in equestrian sports in order for us to have a future on the main stage. So here we go. Episode 54, Relationship in Competition. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. So with the Olympics wrapping up, you know, this whole past month or so, there's been so much talk about competition in general, and especially in equestrian competition, because it always comes up about, you know, is it even ethical uh, to do competition with horses? I think it's a really valid thing to talk about, but I, I think I'll just start this episode by saying I do believe that it's possible to compete with horses and have it be really fine. As with most things in life, and especially with horses, it comes down to how it's done more than whether it should be done, in my opinion. And so much depends on the human in that moment and their state of mind. And this is why, you know, quickly, when we talk about anything with horses, for me, it always comes back to this idea that horsemanship and personal development are inseparable. Now, this comes up with other sports too, not involving horses, right? You've got, there's a whole sports psychology and we have to know ourselves and do the inner work. But I think with horses and with any animal, the responsibility is multiplied because we not only have to be thinking about ourselves, but we have to be thinking about this other sentient being that we are bringing along <laughs> for the ride, literally with horses. And the horse does not get a whole lot of say in the matter. Now, this Olympics, as with any sporting event with horses, you know, often there are unfortunate events and those get a big spotlight, you know, probably as they should, <laughs> uh, because it's important for what I just said, our responsibility is higher. So some things that, that stood out this year in this Olympics is um, a Swiss event rider's horse had to be euthanized on the cross-country course um, because of an injury sustained on that course. Uh, an Australian rider's uh, dressage rider's horse got scared in the competition arena and just started rearing. Uh, there was an, an Irish jumping horse on the Irish jumping team who suffered a nosebleed at the end of his round. Uh, and the horse was gray, so it made this really disturbing visual, right? 
So even though the horse was fine and epistaxis is not a means for disqualification, um, it's still, you know, the picture of a gray horse in competition with just blood running all down its nose and chest. <laughs> and then there was the issue of the pentathlon competitor's horse, or I should say the horse that the... <laughs> The pentathlon competitor was riding who refused to jump any jumps, and I'll go into that a little bit more in a moment. Um, so, of course, these are things that get people's attention. These are the things that get shown on social media, and there is outrage. And, you know, it certainly, you know, needs to be looked at and see how could we how could we do this better? Are the horses okay? Is anybody being abused, right? Is there a welfare issue? And we have to also be concerned about the appearances, you know, right? So I think equestrian sports are in danger in these times. I mean, we really have to be careful. The, the you know, welfare of, of animals as it should be, is, you know, a high, higher and higher priority these days. And we have to be really careful. And this is where, you know, I think there are so many riders doing the right thing and doing the best for their horses and taking the amazing care of them and making all the right decisions. But it's enough of these other moments to the uneducated public that can really do damage. So we have to be vigilant and we have to, I think in the horse world, make sure that we are not going over the top and um, misplacing our outrage in the wrong, well, misplacing, <laughs> putting our outrage in the wrong places um, because we're only going to bring our sport down together quicker. And maybe some of you listening are like, yes, we should ban all competition. But I really don't think competition needs to be any different than any other day riding or having a session with our horse. The difference is how we as the human handle that pressure situation. Because really, it's just riding your horse on dirt and then riding your horse on fancier dirt and then riding your horse on even fancier dirt with more expensive stuff around it in the background. That's, that really is the only difference between riding at home and riding in competition. Everything else is invented. The horse can't tell the difference except for what we are doing with them. So that's why I think competition is not inherently bad, but we have to be super, super careful. I talked about the look of it, right? The look to the general public of, of putting a horse down in the middle of a competition. And, you know, I saw the social media posts and the comments that this, imagine this, this rider, I mean, imagine you prepared well, you loved your horse, you, he was fit, he was healthy, he was sound. And because stuff happens, there was an injury. And not only did you have to put your partner down, but now you have the world going, you know, leaving comments like you murdered your horse. So I just think in these moments, we have to remember as horsemen that sometimes this stuff happens 
and sometimes we can't prevent it. And sometimes euthanasia is the most kind thing we can do. And I'll be the first one to say I'm kind of breaking some of my rules by doing this episode because I don't know all the details. I don't know that rider who had to put his horse down. I didn't do my own research to try to figure out if he was really fit or prepared. I don't know. And because I don't know, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) So if I pile on and go, you know, this is why competition is bad. People make bad decisions when I don't know the facts. I'm only hurting my own sport. So make sure we as a group are channeling our outrage in appropriate places and that we don't go over the top because we're just going to give fuel to anybody who wants to take us all down. And obviously I still think it's ethical or I wouldn't be riding. You know, there's people who think that it's unethical to even ride a horse. So um, I think, again, there is a way to do this well. And, you know, that that jumper that I said from the Irish team, Kean O'Connor, he, with the horse with a nosebleed, he actually elected to withdraw his horse. Now, that wasn't mandatory. So I said nosebleeds didn't disqualify. Even though there's a blood rule for blood on the horse's flanks or in the mouth, that's because of bit damage or spur damage. So technically, he didn't have to withdraw his horse, but he withdrew his horse. And again, I don't know the details around that. I don't know this, this um, rider. But what a beautiful gesture to err on the side of honoring the horse. Err on the side of, even if it was just, quote, just for appearances, what a beautiful thing to show, to highlight putting the relationship with the horse. And again, I don't know. Maybe it was just for appearances. Maybe that's really how he felt. I don't know. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Because the action he took erred on the side of sparing the horse. So that was something that I think we need more of. And I think the horse world needs to really be highlighting the relationship part. I think that that really is one of the most compelling parts of equestrian sport. So much of the general public can't relate to what we do with horses, especially dressage. (laughs) But what any person can relate to is the relationship because we all have relationships. Maybe it's with a cat, maybe it's with a fish, maybe it's with a horse, maybe it's another person, but everybody's having a relationship. And I think everybody in their heart can relate to that. So I'd love to see, and I mean, this is done in the media coverage, but I think it could be done even more. And I think these moments where a competitor makes that kind of a decision for their horse, um, to save the horse, to save the relationship. I think is going to only benefit. I mean, obviously the way I teach (laughs) relationship is a high priority. So of course I have this perspective, but I'd love to see this brought, brought out even more in the way equestrian sports are covered. Because I do think that the vast majority of competitors 
truly do love their horses. I think they've worked really hard to prepare their horses well, to give them excellent care, and to have the best mindset for their horses. You, I, I think it's hard to get to that level without addressing that on some level. So it comes down to the individual competitor, and it also comes down to the culture of the sport. And we know that in different disciplines within the horse world, there's different cultures. There's different cultures in the endurance world, as there is in the, you know, barrel racing world, as there is in the big lick, you know, gated horse world, uh, and in the dressage world, in the jumping world, in the eventing world. So I think we need to, as a culture of equestrians, have that relationship priority be something that's in common across all equestrian sports, that the relationship between the rider and their horse, the preparation that goes in, the communication that needs to be developed, the trust that needs to be developed, the character of the horse and how the, that matches and melds with the character of the rider. That, that I think can be interesting and it, and it's something that, that anybody in the general public could relate to. And I think the, that this factor was incredibly well demonstrated by the drama that happened in the modern pentathlon, or actually I should say the lack of this dynamic of valuing and respecting the relationship was demonstrated in the modern pentathlon. So the modern pentathlon, there's five, um, five sections. So fencing, swimming, show jumping, pistol shooting, uh, and cross country running. So what happened? There was a, a competitor who came into the show jumping in first place, like gonna get the medal. <laughs> and she got on her horse who, um, it was this, she was the second rider of this horse and the horse simply refused to jump. The rider had an obvious emotional meltdown, sobbing, repeatedly hitting the horse, the coach hitting the horse also and encouraging the rider to hit the horse even more. So it was a pretty horrible picture. Uh, the coach was uh, disqualified and thrown out and not allowed to return to the competition after that, which is uh, good, <laughs> I think. And I think something else to know about pentathlon is the competitors are not riding their own horses. So they are supplied somehow. And each horse, like I said, has two riders on it. And the riders, I think, have about Mm, 20 minutes <laughs> to get to know the horse before they go in. So I think this sounds to me like a really horrible setup for the horse. It sounds to me like the horse is looked at more as a piece of equipment than as a partner. Now, I need to raise my hand and say again... <laughs> I'm not really talking about stuff I know a lot about. I know a teeny tiny bit about the modern pentathlon. 
and I've already told you most of it. <laughs> so I can only imagine that it must go fairly well, I suppose, at lower levels, local competitions, or they wouldn't be doing it. Although I never underestimate the, the power of people to continue to do things that don't work for horses, even once it's clear that they're not working. But I think, you know, this whole setup is, is, it's almost seems purposely to that they don't have a relationship with the horse. It, it seems like maybe that's the skill. Like, can you get on the beast and make the beast jump, even though he doesn't know you and you don't know him? There's very little preparation for the pair. I'm assuming someone's preparing the horse. I'm assuming the rider is practicing, but there's no preparation for that pair. Seemingly on purpose to make sure that that's the skill. Can you get on the beast and make the beast go? I don't think there's enough accounting for the horse's experience in this. And I'm wondering how it's actually a, a, a fair test of the rider's skills. It seems like to throw in this crazy variable of everybody's riding a different horse, but yet it's the luck of the draw. I mean, it, it seems strange. You know, they don't draw out of a hat to see who has to run uphill and who gets to run downhill. Or, you know, people have different pistols <laughs> to shoot out of. Or in some of the, the you know, fencing, the swords are shorter. I don't know. <laughs> like, it just seems like a very strange variable to throw in there. And maybe it's from a time gone by, you know, where there used to be cavalry and there used to be horses trained for that to be able to be a bit of an army soldier and be able to deal with anybody that can, that rides them. And, you know, the people get on any horse and the horses you see any riders, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's what's actually happening these days. So again, there's probably going to be some of you out there doing modern pentathlon or going to write me an email or leave me a comment. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really open to being educated about how it actually goes at the lower levels. But I still think, I still think it's a, it's not a great setup. Even if it goes quote unquote, well, is it really a great experience for the horse? Could it be, or is it merely going to be tolerable? So that's just something I'm, I'm wondering because the only way it could seem to be, um, a fair assessment of the riders and the rider skills is if you're kind of assuming that a horse is a horse is a horse is a horse <laughs> and each horse gets to go twice, you know, and then it's tired. So then you need a new horse. I don't know. Um, my other thought was, you know, this is the Olympic level. It's the Olympic level. You're invested in your sport that much. Why don't you like bring your own horse? 
<laughs> so I would think that if it was a test of the rider's ability to ride a horse over that course of jumps, why not let them bring their own horse? You know, that they've prepared on and practiced. So the horse trusts the rider a little bit and the rider trusts the horse and you're actually demonstrating a skill that you've practiced. And so that's what makes me think that maybe the whole point is the randomness of it. And I guess who am I to say I'm not a pentathlete. So if they want to have some random variable thrown in and, you know, you never know if you're going to draw the straw that says you have to run uphill while everybody runs downhill. I don't know. Okay, if people want to do that, that's fine, except for the experience of the horse and my priority on relationship and the importance of highlighting that we do have relationships with the horse. Because I think this kind of setup that says a horse is a horse is a horse and I'm going to put a random rider on it and, you know, see what can happen is as close to treating the horse like a piece of equipment as I think you can get. And I think that ultimately in this day and age and in this environment and with our sport kind of being on the edge anywhere with, you know, whether it's ethical or not, maybe it's time to change things. Maybe it's time to change rules. And I, and I, I, think it would be still challenging enough and still show skills if maybe they practiced with a horse ahead of time and brought it to the competition as a partnership. You know, in my blog and a podcast episode um, I've done called The Assumption of Obligingness, uh, I talk about how, you know, we kind of assume Horses are, you know, our beasts of burden. We've used them for years. You know, we needed them for farms and for transportation. And we kind of get to assuming like they should just do stuff for us. And in that, in that blog and podcast, I talk about, you know, coming out every day with my horses and thinking, this is kind of a miracle that they let us do this at all. <laughs> and I think what happened in these Olympics with that you know, horrible scene of this, this horse just cantering around, refusing all the jumps and the rider, um, you could hear the sobbing while her coaches, you know, screamed at her to hit her horse harder. And the coach even, you know, punched the horse in the butt. What a horrible thing, but it's a really great demonstration of how anytime a horse really doesn't want to do something like they're not going to do it. They are not going to do it. It's always by their grace that they do anything for us. And I think we need to remember that. So I think that was a really good reminder because it's showing the power of relationship. So the setup was bad. I think, I think the setup is bad, but you know, the, these competitors also knew what they were getting into. This is the name of the game. They're going to draw a random horse and they're going to have to see if they can ride it. So bad luck for her, but that's the sport. She knows the sport. The horse she got was out of her control, 
but how she handled it was in her control. And I think she really demonstrated an Olympic level of lack of emotional fitness. And you know me, I'm very uh, hesitant to, you know, criticize someone where I'm not in their shoes. But if we even just look at the what is without judgment, that looked like a that looked like someone losing their emotional fitness. And with horses and animals, we have a bigger responsibility. And this is this is not a dynamic that's just important in, in horse sports. I think we always have opportunities to practice minimizing ego. And where that's really hard is in competition. Because so much of what we have to do to pump ourselves up, to get the courage, to get the energy, to get the like confidence, right? To go out there and put yourself out there. You might think you need a lot of ego. And so how do you turn that off? How do you moderate it? How do you modulate it in different moments appropriately? And so think about in this Olympics also, Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast in the world. That's what she's called going into these Olympics. And after a vault, she decided to pull out of the team event. Right? So greatest Olympics and gymnast in the world. And now she's dropping her team, as some people said. And some of you listening, some of you might have had some some bad thoughts about Simone withdrawing, right? How could she let her team down like that after all that work? But this is the same, this is the same ego decision points, right? So if you looked at Simone Biles and went, how could she let her team down? That's the same dynamic that if you're with a horse, is going to end up hurting the horse. And so if you're someone out there who's outraged by some of the things that you see in the competition world, but then you are criticizing Simone Biles for withdrawing, I think it's time to sit down and go, huh. Because I think we as humans have to practice this dynamic of seeing the bigger picture, taking our ego out, looking at what is, and making appropriate decisions for health and welfare, for ourselves, for each other, and of course, for our horses. So, you know, look at the courage that that took for her to do that with all eyes on her. And we, there's, if you look back, there's plenty of um, instances of the culture of gymnastic pushing these young girls to perform through injuries and then ending up being injured for the rest of their lives. So I think Simone Biles really modeled an amazing thing for us. That's what we need to do for our horses, what she did for herself. Because I think really it was right for her. She thinks it was right for her. So (laughs) I I agree. (laughs) If she thinks so, I think so. And because it's right for her, ultimately, it's the right thing for the team. Now, there was also 
a tennis player, Novak um, Dejovic, um, a male tennis player who publicly chastised Simone Biles, telling her she had to, you know, at this level, she better learn how to handle pressure. <laughs> and then, like, two days later, he lost a match and had a complete tantrum on the field and threw his racket in the stands and broke another racket. So be careful where you place your outrage and look at yourself first. I say to Novak. <laughs> so I was so happy to see Simone Biles also receiving a lot of praise and likely those of you in my community were behind her and realized what kind of a role model she is. And she's a role model to others in any sport, but especially um, she is a model for the changing culture within gymnastics, where older, often men coaches, you know, looking back, are, are handling these young girls and pushing them past their limits for medals. And isn't that so much like what happens with horses? So I thought Simone Biles was a beautiful example of stepping back, taking ego out and having some really pretty um, impressive emotional fitness. So I think it always comes back to looking inwards. It always comes back to our personal development. And when we highlight relationship, what's our relationship with ourselves? right? What's our relationship with ourselves? Because we are the ones who make the decision. And if we're fighting with ourselves, we're not gonna be able to make the right decision for anybody else like our horse. So yeah, with horses, we need to be our, at our absolute best. We need to set things up, set up the structures so that horse and rider together are the stars. And I think we need to educate the public that what we do with horses is about relationship more than the task. Then it becomes compelling and it becomes beautiful. And then maybe we won't have to read maddening headlines, the headlines for this pentathlon debacle that said stubborn horse costs, you know, competitor the medal. Stubborn horse. No. <laughs> what a shame. So what could that competitor have done? What could that pentathlete have done? Well, she could have given it a try. And then at some point, I'm sure she knew, not going to happen. She could have stopped. She could have shed a tear while dismounting, giving her horse a rub, loosening his girth, and realizing that's the nature of her sport. There's a luck of the draw. There's a randomness quality to this competition. She could have left the arena. And maybe she would have been the Simone Biles hero of the pentathlon, putting the horse's experience above her own. It's not going to change the outcome. And I'm sure at some point she knew it wasn't going to change the outcome. 
But I also wonder, in the spirit of giving the benefit of the doubt, I wonder if some of her tears, deep down, were because in her heart she knew that it wasn't going to work. She knew that her horse didn't want to jump. She knew it was a bad experience for the horse. And her coaches are screaming at her to hit harder and hit better or try better, (laughs) hit harder and keep going. Can you imagine? She didn't have that courage. She didn't have the relationship with herself in any case to stop and look at her coach and go, not going to happen. It's not the day. And she can cry and she can mourn for the loss. So I don't know. I don't know if she was crying and mad at her horse, or I don't know if she was crying because she was feeling the pressure and the conflict between what was in her heart and what the coaches were saying. I don't know. But it could be. And I hope that if that was it, that it changes changes her. Who knows? You know, to compete at the highest levels takes a lot of mental and emotional and physical preparation. It makes, it takes a million decisions. It takes courage. And I think it can be done. I think it can be done really well. It's a matter of creating rules that have the best chance of setting everyone up for success, including and especially the horse. So you prepare well, and then you do your best to keep things in perspective. With ourselves, and when there's a horse involved, those those responsibilities increase. So at the Olympics, I saw many beautiful rider and horse relationships on display. I saw many beautiful, inspiring performances. And I congratulate all the equestrians that prepared well, did their best, and returned home safely with healthy, happy horses that want to continue the relationship. That is an accomplishment to be proud of. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book, You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.